Welcome to the PSD cast of Power Systems Design. I'm your host, Jason Lumberg, and in today's episode, we're discussing the biggest issues affecting the wider rollout of electric and hybrid vehicles. Now, if I were to ask you what those issues are, you'd probably mention battery power density, energy conversion efficiency, and the lack of supporting infrastructure. And all those factors feed into range anxiety, which prevents most people driving electric or hybrid vehicles from straying too far from home. And this, in turn, limits these vehicles to short commutes, which could exclude those looking for the versatility and convenience of the internal combustion engine. Well, the solution has no single answer. And here to talk about some of those issues is Jim Willem, the CEO at GAN Systems. So Jim, glad to have you aboard. And you recently co-authored an article series called The the, uh, Mobility Revolution. And the third article in the series, addressing the dual concerns of driving range angst and the ubiquitous clean energy sources is directly relevant to our discussion today. So maybe you could start by defining uh, driving range angst, more commonly known as range anxiety. Yeah, Jason, sure. Thanks for having me here. Um, range, anxiety, range anxiety is the, um, the driver's concern about an EV or an AV, an autonomous driving vehicle, being able to uh, drive the variety of distances that uh, – that uh, um, occur in our daily lives without running out of energy, without running out of battery charge. And our expectations of how a transportation um, vehicle works has been really set by the internal combustion engine, by the gas stations and fuel stations um, that we can get refuel um, fairly quickly. And so the electric vehicle community has got to kind of match up those expectations that have been set uh, by, by a century of internal combustion engines. Right, right. Now, we've obviously seen a ton of progress since the, the very first electric cars, which, which go all the way back to the 19th century, and we've made great strides towards solving range anxiety and um, integrating hybrid and electric vehicles into our daily lives. Uh, in what area do you think we've made the most progress uh, in, in modern times, and which factor has held these, back, these vehicles back the most? Yeah. Well, um, you know, first I think we take a step back, and, and, and it's pretty amazing that we've got, uh, you know, over 2 million electric vehicles um, already on the road, um, and the projections are that um, it's going to grow tremendously over the next um, couple of, uh, of decades. Um, I've seen numbers that say 125 million um, cars by 2035 and 500 million cars by, by 2040. Um, and when you think about it, there's a, there's a billion cars on the road today, um, 500 million cars means 50% of the world's vehicles will be electric. So there's a, um, there's a big uh, um, growth ahead of us. But, uh, um, and we've got to look at the progress we've made towards making that happen. Um, and as you said, you know, what are the things that are holding us back? For, for me, the two biggest areas of progress um, are in battery technology um, and in power electronics. Um, on the power electronics front, um, with, uh, um, with transistors like GAN transistors, we've been able to make the power electronics a quarter the size, um, a quarter the weight. Um, they're more efficient, um, and they don't cost as much. And that really um, powers um, the, the, the uh, um, new designs of electric vehicles. Um, the, just by making things um, smaller and lighter, um, that allows the batteries to go further. Um, by um, increasing the efficiency of the system, we can make the cooling system smaller, which makes the, the vehicle lighter and smaller and the batteries last longer. 
and by not um, wasting as much uh, energy being burned up as heat, but um, having that go to the electric motor itself, um, the batteries uh, um, last longer and make the car go further. So the, the advances in power electronics um, have really helped um, in the uh, range anxiety or, or driving range angst area. I think the other key area that I see a lot of progress in, in bat is in batteries. Um, the power density of batteries um, it keeps going up. Um, importantly, the, the cost of the batteries um, uh, is going down dramatically um, as we get to higher, higher volumes and people are driving cost out. And we're starting to see some, some new materials uh, um, coming out. Uh, um, Nant Energy um, is, is a company in Southern California that's touting their zinc air battery um, as, a, as something that provides a, a longer charges and lower costs. Um, so there's, there's continued progress uh, in both of those areas. Um, Jason, for me, what's, what's holding us back is, is kind of the, the ubiquitous charging station, um, kind of like we have the ubiquitous um, gas station. Um, we've got to have a charging infrastructure that makes it uh, um, easy for us to get around. Um, I think there's been a lot of progress there. Um, there's been some interesting articles um, recently. Targets, uh, um, the, the retailer, um, is rolling out some, uh, some charging stations. Um, all the car companies, BMW, VW, Daimler, Volkswagen, Porsche, Audi, are all combining together to put together um, uh, charging stations. Um, you see the utility companies here in California, um, PGE has launched a program for 7,500 charging stations uh, for a network in California. And you see the oil companies doing it. Shell's uh, done a similar thing um, in Europe. So um, there's a lot of people that are addressing the, the charging station, making it ubiquitous um, from, from consumer companies all the way to energy companies and oil companies. So I think we're going to see a lot of progress um, on that, that ubiquitous charging station um, in, the, in the months to come. Right. And, and in your article, uh, to, to your point, you mentioned something specifically related to that, the, the emotional ubiquity that today's drivers uh, have for gas stations that they, they just know no matter where they are, there's going to be a gas station. So they don't have to worry about being stuck somewhere. And, and so driving range angst, it just isn't an issue for the internal combustion engine. And so drivers just must take it for granted that a charging station is always accessible wherever they are. Uh, you know, in the same way, gas stations are never usually more than a few minutes away. So, you know, what sort of societal changes do you think, do you think will bring this about? Is, is, is it just like a, a numbers game? In other words, just building enough charging stations to accommodate everyone? Like, like you said, how a, a lot of different uh, companies, a, a, a lot of different agencies are already at this, or, or, is, or is there more to it? Yeah. So I, I like to look at the, um, at the user, the, the people that are driving the cars and, and, uh, and what they need. Um, if I look at myself, um, you know, I, I uh, um, do most of my driving um, around town, um, pretty short distances, um, and, and so um, I can, I can uh, last a full charge, um, takes me, you know, many days. Uh, um, so having a charger at home, um, having um, a charger um, maybe at work, 
um, is plenty uh, of charge sites um, uh, for, for those type of applications. So I think we're kind of already there um, um, for those type of applications. Slow chargers, um, you know, overnight chargers um, work very well. I think um, for me, the, the big item is longer range uh, um, um, trips. You know, I like, the, I like the outdoors. I like to hike. I like to go to Yosemite, um, you know, Lassen, Marin, um, and take a hike. And when those uh, are longer distances, um, then I'm going to need um, a charge maybe to, to go make that happen. Um, the, I think we're going to see um, a real change from how internal combustion and gas engines um, worked in terms of, of refueling um, versus the electric vehicle. We're in the days of, you know, the smartphone, cheap computing, and lots of memory. I think that we're going to see the automakers be able to ta- have apps that work with our phones that, that, will, that will help us in getting to the right charge station. So as these networks are put together for, for longer distances, um, that the car and the phone will tell us exactly where we are and where we need to be in order to get a charge. And if with the fast charging stations that are coming out, the cup of coffee um, um, charge um, is going to be there. And so you have the point um, where kind of the software and the applications are taking care of you so that you won't run out of fuel. You'll be able to do it quickly and get on your way. And with that kind of long-range solution coupled with the short-range solution that we already have, you have something that works. Now, I'm American. You know, we like our cars. We like to go long distances. I think if it works here, it, it works in other places. Um, I lived in Japan for six years, and it certainly would have um, worked for my lifestyle and, and driving needs um, while, while I was in Japan. So um, I don't think that the, it's a technology thing that's um, holding us back. I think it's, a, um, I think it's uh, an implementation of, of taking care of our you know, long-distance driving needs. Right, and, and, and as, as you mentioned, uh, a, a lot of a, a lot of different uh, interests are, are already at it. You know, we we just we just actually put up a blog that said that Porsche is putting up these electric pit stops, as they call it, that could uh, recharge their electric vehicle in 15 minutes. And uh, the the idea of, of quick charging stations is, is starting to take hold, where uh, it, it, we could maybe approach uh, in the same ballpark as how long it takes to recharge a gas vehicle uh, for recharging an electric vehicle. But, um, you know, speaking of charging points, uh, you bring up a, a very important question in, in your article, uh, that, that being who owns the new gas station. Uh, you mentioned retailers, energy companies, auto OEMs, cities, or maybe brand new consortiums. So who, in your opinion, will own the new gas station? You know, is there a fortune to be had in recharging electric vehicles in the same way oil is a cornerstone of our economy and the main export of certain foreign countries, or will it be a public service? Yeah, great question, um, and, and one that's working it out in the marketplace. Um, like you said, um, a lot of different people looking um, at this space and figuring out how they can um, share in the profits. Um, I think there's a good analogy if you go back to a century um, with uh, John Rockefeller and Standard Oil. Um, it's a fascinating story um, and, and good history lesson where um, Standard Oil took control of, of, uh, um, of the delivery systems um, for petroleum and oil products and made a ton of money. Um, they were, he was the richest person um, in the world for many decades, um, and that company was the biggest company in the world and, and still 
um, um, and still exist in, in several entities as, as some of the bigger companies in the world. So I think they're um, in the electric um, distribution and the electric energy distribution um, for recharging um, vehicles, there is a ton of money to be made. Um, and there's a lot of different people that are positioning themselves um, to make that money. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, to, to stay with this point, you, you mentioned various trial runs and mini deployments, and we, we've discussed them already, um, of, of, of charging stations around the world. It, you know, is there a, a state or, or nation or, or a company that, that's really gotten it right and whose example we could follow, or, or do, do we really have to just wait for the, the wider implementation of these things? Yeah, I don't think um, it's shaken out yet. Um, people are experimenting. Um, you know, like I said, Target, BMW, PG&E, Shell, all coming at it from different aspects of how we live our lives and, and different solutions. Um, I think what we'll see is um, that, that uh, um, there will be good ideas and there will be bad ideas. Uh, people will build on those, um, and then we'll, we'll home in on, on one particular model that seems to work kind of uh, across the globe. Um, we haven't got there yet. Um, that's still shaking out. Mm. Now, you, uh, you also mentioned something about the global energy grid and how, how it's uh, going to be under increased strain. Uh, so how, how, will that, uh, how will the global energy grid adapt to the, uh, the, the larger numbers of electric and hybrid vehicles. You, you mentioned in your article it could go from 2 million in 2017 to 125 million by 2035. So that's, that's a lot of extra strain on the grid, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think this is a critical um, question for, for us to look at, but I don't think it's a... Um, I don't think it's really the capacity question um, that's, that's uh, that difficult. Um, we've shown a, um, a great proclivity to be able to bring on capacity both in the, the um, petrochemical industry and now in the uh, um, electrical um, age. So I think capacity um, isn't really the issue, but I do think the source of the energy is super critical. I mean, the real drive for electric vehicles, if you go down to fundamentals, is, is carbon dioxide and climate change. I mean, the reason why... Um, we want to go to electric vehicles is so that we don't infect the environment and affect um, uh, um, the planet. So if we have clean cars with electric vehicles, but we generate that, uh, that electricity, we generate that uh, energy from petrochemicals, we've just shifted the problem. Um, we still have the CO2 generation. And so clean renewable sources, um, solar, wind, hydro, to generate that electricity, to then run it through an electric vehicle so that we don't produce CO2 in our transportation um, system, I think that's the, um, the, um, the critical um, um, item there. And so renewable energy production and making sure you have power electronics that convert things um, very efficiently are really a key to this rollout, of th- this huge growth that you mentioned, Jason. Right, right. And, 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 and to your point, that's, that's probably why there have been so many mandates around the country and around the world pushing, um, pushing electric and hybrid vehicles or mandating higher levels of MPG to re- reduce our fossil fuel consumption. And all, all of these things are, are, are going to come together, hopefully, to, uh, to help reduce climate change. Um, but before we go, could, let, let's talk about uh, proprietary technology for a bit. So how will... Uh, 
GAN systems power semiconductors help to ease the strain on the power grid, which, which we just mentioned, improve energy conversion efficiency, and ultimately to help solve range anxiety. Yeah, well, there, there's three big areas that uh, um, GAN transistors and GAN systems plays um, in this space. One is the electric vehicle itself. Um, two is the renewable grid. Um, and number three um, is the data center. So um, first of all, in the, the automobile, the EV itself, um, the major applications um, for GAN are the onboard charger to charge the batteries, um, the DC to DC converter that takes battery energy and then goes runs all the things in the car, like the windshield wipers and the door locks and the, in, in the car radio. And then finally, um, the electric motor itself, the, the uh, inverter that drives the motor. Um, by um, using GAN, um, you, can, you can make the electronics smaller and cheaper. Um, that allows the battery um, to take the car further um, and address uh, um, range angst. So um, GAN transistors are, are a super critical element there. And, you know, in fact, BMW is the um, biggest uh, investor um, in GAN systems um, because they've seen the, the effect that uh, um, the transistors can make on their electric vehicles. Um, the second area where we play um, is in the renewable energy area. Um, when, you're t when you're taking, say, solar energy or, or wind energy, uh, maybe store it in some batteries, um, and then, then sending it off to charge a car, you want to make sure that uh, you get as many of those electrons into the battery for useful energy and not burn it up as heat. And, uh, um, and so GAN transistors are used to make really um, highly efficient, um, like 99% efficient type power conversion to be able to um, convert that energy into a, to a fast charge. And then on the last area um, that we play in is the data center, and, and people might kind of take pause and say, what, the data center? Um, but the data center is becoming a big part um, of the automotive industry, um, especially um, with the transition to autonomous vehicle driving. There's just tons and tons of data that has to be crunched um, in order to uh, make that all work. Um, and you need to do that uh, um, efficiently. Um, GAN transistors are used in the power supplies that, that uh, power the servers um, in the racks. Um, and there's hundreds of millions of dollars to be saved um, if you use uh, um, efficient power electronics. So three areas where um, GAN is playing in this EV rollout, the car itself, um, the grid to charge it, um, and the data center um, to control those EVs. So um, I think it's a, you know, it's a pretty incredible time we, we live in. We're, we're moving from a petrochemical-based um, transportation system to an electrical-based one. Um, lots of change, and here at GAN Systems, we're doing our part to, to, make it all, to help make it all happen. Hmm. Well, well, thanks again, Jim. Um, on behalf of PSD, I, I want to thank you for your time, and to our audience, thanks for tuning in.